Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. The partnership of the generations is what we've been covering for the past couple of weeks. Week one, we talked about the significance and the importance of honoring the past, of honoring those who have come before us, who have paved the way and made it possible for us to stand where we stand. We know in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, Paul tells Timothy, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And this comes in large part when we honor the past. In honoring the past, we build a strong foundation for the future. Last week, we spoke about equipping in the present. Equipping those in the present who are, who are meant to serve, who are meant to partner together with. Because once again, you have something that somebody else needs. You have something that someone else needs, and when we equip, when we partner together, we need to stand together with what God is doing right now in this time. Just as Paul did with Timothy, we have something to invest in the next generation. And then today we're going to enter into this third part of this, which we honor the past, equip the present, but now we want to focus on empowering the future. Empowering the future what God wants to do going forward. And what we see here is that there is a shift that takes place between equipping the present and empowering the future. For any parents in the room who have children who have grown up and have moved out of the house, you know that there is this shift that takes place. There's this moment in time where your babies grow up, they become adults, and they move out and they step into another place. There's a shift that takes place from everything that you have invested in them in the moment to then what God is going to do with them in their future. And we have to be intentional in this. We have to be very specific in how we partner together with the generations because who knows there is an enemy that is coming against this next generation. There is an enemy that would love to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and to take away from what God is wanting to do in this time and going forward. And so it's our responsibility to empower the next generation. So yes, that's parents and grandparents, but that's also in the workplace, that's in our community, and it's absolutely in our church, that we need to be intentional in empowering the next generation. So we've been looking at the life of Paul in Timothy, we've been looking a lot at Second Timothy. And the book of Second Timothy really is a significant book, and we haven't really gone too much into this part of it, but it's important that we recognize what is taking place as Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. You see, this is towards the end of Paul's ministry. This is where Paul has come to a point where he realizes that he's in prison right now, and in all likelihood, there isn't going to be a way out. That this is a place where he's come to where he has run the race, he has fought the good fight, and now there is this necessity to take what he has been running with and to hand it off and to pass it on to Timothy. And so in this letter, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we read these verses, verses 6 through 8. Paul says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, 
but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul has come to the end of his ministry. And while it is a sad thing, there is something that he also sees as as this incredible opportunity to hand something to Timothy and to say, all that I have done and all that I have worked for and all that you have come along with me to see and to experience, this is all going to be going into your future now. I'm going to take what I have been given and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to allow you to be the one that is going to move forward and there is a handoff. And really and truthfully, this is something that us as believers need to be aware of. Once again, we need to honor the past. We need to equip the present. But then we need to be aware of our our necessity to empower the future because as we said in week one, God is a generational God. We see the present. We may have an idea of what the future looks like, but God sees everything in its entirety. He sees beginning to end. And he sees all of the steps that are needed to get from where we are to where he's bringing us. And this means for us that we cannot afford to be short-sighted. We as children of God and believers in Jesus cannot afford to be short-sighted in only seeing what's taking place right now in our lives, but to understand that he is wanting to do so much more going forward. Paul gives us a really good example because he doesn't say to Timothy, all right, bud, thanks for walking with me. Thanks for serving me so diligently. Uh, Figure it out now. I'll see you on the other side. He doesn't just say, Timothy, you know, I've showed you some things and now, you know, I'm going to throw you into the the fire. You're going to have to to do this on your own. He says, Timothy, look, I've invested in your life. I've poured into you. And now I know that you are equipped and ready for what God is calling you to walk into. The book of first Timothy in a lot of ways is an instructional letter from a mentor to a mentee, from a teacher to a student. Paul has asked Timothy to go to the church of Ephesus and to be a pastor there. And it's a church that is in need of some correction. It's a church that is in need of some repair. There are some people who are teaching things that they shouldn't be teaching. There is some division that is going on where people are arguing about things that simply don't matter. There are some people who are after the money and they're after some of the recognition, but they're not really going after what God has called them to do. So Timothy sends, or Paul sends Timothy into this place and he says, I need you to bring correction where correction is needed. I need you to lead them and guide them, and I need you to to actually show them how a church is meant to be run. But this is where the shift takes place, because in 1 Timothy, like I said, he speaks to him in this way. In 1 Timothy 1.18, he says to him, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that you may wage the good warfare, holding faith with good conscience. He's saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go after it. But then at the end of 1 Timothy, we see in chapter 6, verses 11 through 12, he says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Flee the ways of the world. 
There are those that have gone after their own carnal desires. They've gone after their own way of doing things. But you, I want you to flee these things, to run away from them, to pursue righteousness, to pursue godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul wasn't just giving him practical advice. He was doing something else that I want us to see here this morning. We're going to have four points in a little bit. This isn't one of them, but this is just something I felt was so important for us to see. Paul wasn't just giving him instruction, but he was also encouraging him. Paul wasn't just telling him what to do. He was telling him, I believe in you. I believe what God has put on your life, and I'm charging you to do what God has called you to do. He encourages him, and if we are going to partner with the next generation, this is something that we have to get right. We have to learn to encourage one another. And I said this before, and I'll say it again. I believe our church has so many men and women who are so good at encouraging one another. I'm sure many of us have been on the other side of a text or a phone call of somebody just saying, listen, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I'm believing for you. And the amount of encouragement that we receive in those moments is great, isn't it? And it's such a simple way that we are called to partner with the next generation. To encourage them. To encourage them maybe even with our own testimonies, which is what we were doing this past Wednesday night at the tent service. To encourage one another and say, this is what God has done in my life. And this is what I believe God is going to do in yours. So we go from 1 Timothy, which is instructional. And then we move into 2 Timothy. And this is where the shift really takes place. When I'm reading from 1 Timothy to 2 Timothy, it's almost like we can start to recognize there's a change in tone. He's speaking to Timothy not just as a student, not just as someone who he's mentoring, but somebody who he knows who is in the midst of it, who is proving himself faithful, and now he wants to empower him to be able to do what God has called him to do. First Timothy, he uses words like, I urge you, I desire for you to do this, I want you to do this thing and not to do that thing. But then we get to 2 Timothy, and he starts to speak to him a little differently. He says, I remind you, I remind you to fan into flame the gift that God has put on your life. I want you to remember, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. I want you to continue in what you have firmly believed and from whom you have learned it. It wasn't that Paul wasn't still instructing Timothy. But he was doing it with the mindset that I'm no longer going to be here. That I'm at the end of my life. I'm at the end of my journey. And now it is critical that I make sure that you know that you are ready for what is standing in front of you. He says to Timothy, I want you to continue to fight the good fight. I want you to fan into flame the gift that God has put on your life. This morning, I want to look at four specific ways that we as individuals, 
that we as a church and we as families can empower the next generation? How can we as individuals, how can we as a family empower those who are coming next in effectively partnering with the next generation? So I want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. And this is a passage that we've looked at a few times in, in various ways throughout this series. But I want to look at something really important here for our first point here today. 2 Timothy 1, verses 5 through 6 says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this season, I remind, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The first way that we are called to empower the next generation is very simply empowerment through prayer. We spoke a couple of weeks ago about the significance and the importance of prayer. The need that we have to stand before God and to bring what is on our heart before him. To recognize his lordship, to recognize that he is the answer that we need. To be able to bring these things before him. But then it's also for us to be able to intercede for those around us. To be able to pray for the next generation. To be able to believe for what God is going to do in the next generation. As we said, there is an enemy who is coming to attack our children and our young people. I was thinking about this. We were in in the first service and last night we had the Food Network on, which is not really an uncommon thing in my house. My wife tortures me every night and keeps diners, drive-ins, and dives on. And so we're watching this and we've eaten a dinner and I'm feeling good about it. But all of a sudden my, my stomach starts to rumble again. And she says, where are you going? And I said, well, I'm going into the kitchen. We're just watching this amazing food being cooked and I got to go eat something now. My son loves to watch it with us too, but I was watching it last night. And I have to say in the span of like 20 minutes, there was this bombardment of agenda that was being advertised through the television. I don't know who the ad council is, but they need a new council. They need a new leader in that council because everything that came up was not anything that we stand on. Everything was LGBTQ. Everything was, if you, if you want to protect abortion, if you want to do this, if you want to do that, every single one of those things. And I have my son sitting next to me and I'm thinking, this is what he's being exposed to. And that's just on television and kids don't even really watch television anymore. With social media, with, with all these different ways of influence, our kids are being bombarded with things time and time again. We need to be praying for the next generation. We are not going to be able to protect them from everything. We're not going to be able to shield them from every message that comes along. But what we can do is we can be praying and standing firm in our belief that God is going to protect them, that he is going to continue to empower them, that truth is going to rule and reign in their hearts. And no matter what comes against them, that God would use those things to be the very things that would empower them to go into their calls and what he's called them to do. We got to be aware of the importance of our prayer. We see also that Paul says in this couple of verses 
I want you to remember the laying on of my hands. We need to be willing when we're praying to lay our hands on each other and to say, this is what I believe God is calling us to do. This is what God is speaking. This is what God is saying. In this context, Paul was talking about the laying on of hands in the appointment of Timothy. And that's important. But we also need to be laying hands on each other for healing, for provision, knowing that God is going to move, that there is something that God has placed inside of each one of us that somebody else needs and that we need to be intentional in the way that we are believing in prayer for what God is going to do. And then he says one of my favorite parts, this is in verse 6, he tells Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God. To fan into flame the gift of God. I know there were times in my life where there was something inside of me that I felt was was burning. But there was somebody who would come alongside of me and they would pray with me. There was somebody who would encourage me and I would feel that this this flame inside of me, this, this part of me that wanted to pursue God would start to grow in those moments. He says, fan into flame the gift of God. This comes through prayer. This comes through encouragement from others. But what I want us to see today is that this really comes in empowerment through opportunity. It comes when we are willing to give others an opportunity to step into their giftings. To step into a place where God may have called them to walk into. I don't know about you, but some of the biggest learning experiences in my life have been when somebody has come around me and they've given me an opportunity to do something firsthand, to learn, to sometimes get thrown into the fire and just kind of like figure it out. I remember I worked at UPS and they drove on the truck with me for two days and the third day they're like, okay, that's all you now. Like, all right, you know, 100 stops, 150 packages. Okay, no big deal. I have to say, I felt very empowered right up until the moment that I took out a mailbox. And I may have taken out more than one mailbox. Not on the first day, but over the course of time. So if anybody had their mailboxes knocked over, I'm sorry. There was also that moment in time where my pastor, as a young man, I was 15 years old, said, you're going to preach on the Sunday night service here at the church. And I remember that feeling of terror and delight, excitement and and fear of of what I was going to do. And and I've said this before, I think it was probably terrible. I think my mom probably, you know, helped me write most of it. But there was this moment where I was empowered to do something. And that set me on a course in which I would begin to pursue God and, and what he was calling me to do in those ways. We have to be willing and intentional to empower others by giving them opportunities to be able to pursue what God has put on their lives. It's going to be scary. It's going to be scary for them. It's going to be scary for us. It's kind of like when you're teaching someone how to drive a car at 16 years old and you put them in the driver's seat. And you don't really have any control. I mean, you might be able to grab the steering wheel, but it's a little scary. But that's why in 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul says to Timothy, For the Spirit of God gave us, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. 
We should actively be looking to empower those around us. We should actively be looking for opportunities. Yes, in the church. Yes, in ministry. But maybe just in our workplace. Maybe in our our families. Maybe with our children and our grandchildren. Can we empower the young people to start to step out in faith to do something? Whether it's practical or it's spiritual. Can we bring our kids into some of the situations where we need to pray for healing for somebody and allow them to lay their hands on somebody? Can we be speaking to our children and asking them, what do you feel like God is saying to you right now? Is there something he's showing you? Can we empower our children to hear from God and to know that they have a call and a purpose as well? One of my favorite sayings is there is no junior Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that lives in me is the same Holy Spirit that lives in my son, that lives in our children, the same Holy Spirit that wants to bring our children into the next level, into a place of being able to experience his goodness. Empowerment through opportunity. Then we go into verse 8. Paul says to Timothy, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel. Join with me in suffering for the gospel. This is not an exciting invitation. This is not join with me on vacation. This is not join with me as we go out to eat. Join with me in suffering. There's an opportunity for Timothy. But it's not necessarily this super exciting, let's go out and we're going to change the world, but there's going to be some difficulty in it. Join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You see, this leads to maybe the most important way that we partner with and empower the next generation. We've touched on it a few times already, and it's simply because of its significance and also because it's part of our identity as a church. A very important way that we are going to be able to empower the next generation is empowerment through relationship. It's the empowerment that comes when we walk together and we do life together. When we bring others with us on the journey, when we bring others with us into the situations that are good and bad, when we walk with them together and saying, we are in pursuit of Jesus, will you come with me? I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to make sense of everything, but I know the God that I serve. I know Jesus who lives inside of me. I know that my pursuit of him is going to be the thing that's going to bring me through no matter what I'm going to face. Will you come with me? Will you walk with me in this journey? This is what Paul does with Timothy again. Verses 13 through 14. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. See, there comes a very real point in our lives where we have walked with somebody, where we have invested in them. We have walked with them in relationship, but then we realize that it's time to send them out. We realize that it's time for them to take that step to step into life on their own, to go to college, to to go into a job, to move away, whatever it is. And we have to understand that at that point, once we have equipped them and once we have poured into them, then comes the trust. 
Then comes the trust that God is going to do what he is going to do with what we have invested in them. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I know well enough to know that there are some parents who are concerned about their children. Concerned about what their children are walking into. Concerned about where their children already are. Maybe some of the decisions that they've made. But what I want to encourage you with here today is that we have the ability to trust that God is going to work in their lives. That God is going to be the one who is able to bring them through, to bring them back, to bring them to the place where he is calling them to be. I I know at times what it's like to be a young person, not making all the right decisions, but knowing what was invested in me. I've heard the stories of, of faithful men and women who have prayed for their children and their grandchildren have prayed for them and and believed that they were going to come back into the kingdom, and they've done exactly that. I know the testimonies of men and women who have seen their children or received a phone call early in the morning to say, you'll never believe what I did yesterday, Mom. I got baptized. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm believing that we are going to see these things on a greater level because what we want to do is we want to partner with the generations. We want to stand in faith. We want to believe for what God is going to do. And we want to put our trust more in him than the circumstances and the situations that are seeming to indicate something else. It's not easy in the world we live in. We've said this already, but chapter three, verses one through five says this. But understand that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. That's quite the extensive list, isn't it? We know that some of those things were taking place back then. But how much more so now? You see, this speaks to the significance of why we need to be intentional in partnering with the next generation. We need to be intentional about our relationships. We need to be intentional that we take what God has put in our lives and we pour it into others around us. To stand together in faith with one another. To understand that God wants to do something in this time and he's going to use us to do it. 2 Timothy 3 verses 10 through 11. This is the opposite. This is what the world looks like. But Timothy, you however have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life. My faith, my patience, my love, and my steadfastness. My persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. Which persecutions I have endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. See, this brings us to our final point today. The way that we need to partner and empower the next generation. If we are going to empower the next generation There must be an empowerment that comes from our example. The empowerment that comes from our willingness to do the hard things, to push in deeper, to trust in God, 
to trust that what he has started in us, he's going to bring to completion in the good times and the bad times, in the easy times and the difficult times. As we said last week, somebody is always watching. Somebody's always watching. They want to see how we're going to handle these situations. They want to see how we're going to deal with these things. And if we are going to speak truth to people, we had better be willing to walk with them through the difficulty. If we're going to preach Jesus, we need to live Jesus. If we're going to speak truth, we had better make sure that it's not just something that we think is a good idea, but something that we have begun to implement in our own lives. It's not perfection, but it's a willingness to trust in the grace of God. It's a willingness to bring what we have and to bring what has been placed on our hearts before him, to bring the heaviness, the pain, the the shame, the guilt, all those things, to give it to him. The willingness to ask for help in the places where we've fallen short. The willingness to remember, like we said earlier, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To walk in the new identity. It's not enough to preach Jesus. We have to walk with Jesus. We have to expect that he is going to move and that he is going to do incredible things in our lives as we put our trust in him. I want to ask if our worship team would come back up here this morning. I truly, truly believe that this, this series of what we've been talking about is something that God is calling us to do in this time. And it's good to agree with it. But would we be willing to look for opportunities to invest in the next generation? Would we be willing to open up our lives to say, God, is there somebody that you're calling me to stand with, to partner together with, to encourage? Is there somebody that you're calling me to, to just pray for and maybe never even say anything, but just to believe that you're going to do something in their lives? Can we partner together? Can we be the example for the younger generations who are coming behind us? Can we be those who would intentionally say, yes, Jesus, I want to be who you've called me to be, but I also want to be that for somebody else. You see, Timothy followed Paul. At the end of 2 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, would you bring my coat with me? I'm in prison. It's cold. I need you to come. And we believe that Timothy did exactly that, that he came to Paul and in all likelihood that he was there and he witnessed Paul being martyred and executed for his faith. We know that Paul, or that Timothy then goes back to the church of Ephesus, that he continues to serve that church faithfully, that he continues to empower the next generations, and that eventually he ends up giving his own life, martyred for his beliefs, following in the example of Paul. We see that the church continues through those selfless acts of investing in who who was coming next and we see that God was working through all of it 